Oh, hi, Brad. I didn't see you come in. I didn't see you either. You know what I heard the other day? A fabulous new website is up. What is that? As I put away this leather-bound book I'm reading by the fire. Oh, the internet is this fabulous thing where you can have web pages, and the web page I'm talking about is bradandned.ca. Bradandned.ca sounds fantastic. I'll go there now. It is fantastic. Please take a look at uh, the amazing write-ups we have for our weekly podcasts. Uh, Brad and Ned at the 55 and links where you can listen to the podcast in question and that's really everything we have to say enjoy the show one two a one two three four Brad and Ned at the 55 Brad and Ned at the 55 who's at the 55 it's Brad and Ned Welcome back. Welcome back. You know, every time I hear our Brad and Ned singers, yes, I tell you, it brings a tear to my eye, buddy. Yes, it for a lot of reasons. Yes, <laughs> you know, mainly due to the child labor laws that were probably breached in its production. Oh no, they were they were they were fully consenting. It oh, was, they were. There was okay. no coercion going oh, on fair there, enough, and then. I didn't pay them a dime. Fair enough. Then, well, welcome back again, week three. Week three. Can you believe we made it this far? Ned and Brad at the fifty-five. Welcome back, Ned. Uh, you know, I heard a stat the other day that I ended up hearing wrong, that yeah. apparently is not a true stat. Yeah. You know, because, you know, 13% of all people can use stats to <laughs> prove anything. Yeah. But I heard a stat that uh, only 73% of podcasts don't make a second podcast. I, I believe that. Wait, 73 don't make a second yes, podcast? Yes, of all the podcasts that start yeah. up, 73% so, so, never so make only, a second only 27. one. So we're in the top 27 yes. at least. Now, I recently found out that the friend that told me that stat yes. totally made that up. Well, it's a good stat, and it's I don't the, see why, why, that why should, we shouldn't run with it anyways. Prevent us from using it. Well, because now we're on podcast number three. We are. Yeah. And what's the topic for this one? So we have a action-packed lineup for our uh, listener, Zers. Yeah, absolutely. We, we Brad's have... mom has been joined by Brad's dad. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I have some aunts and uncles that have yeah. joined in. Yeah. No, I've, uh, we've had some comments. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about the Eastern and Western Finals, which were this past weekend. Uh, some accurate predictions. Which again, we watched uh, religiously. Off. Yeah, yeah, religiously <laughs> to a certain extent. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about the Grey Cup, which is coming up next week here in Ottawa. And we're going to talk about the history of the Grey Cup and uh, some, some memorable golden, Yeah, some golden, some golden moments. moments. Uh, so, Ned. Yes, Brad. What did you think of the games this weekend? Well, from the games that I saw, um, which was the uh, Saskatchewan-Toronto game, yeah. I thought that was, a, that was a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah. So that was... Uh, uh, well, they're both close games, yep. I think. Both uh, both the Eastern and Western Finals were close. Uh, my predictions were... Again, you were... You were 100%. You consistent. Yeah, I have 100% batting average, but yeah, not not accurate at all. Yeah, depending on the object of the game. Of the game Avoiding is. <laughs> the ball. And then really, like most games should be about avoiding the ball, especially baseball, because be. it's pretty fast. Yeah, um, exactly. It's hard, and it would hurt if it hit not you. Everyone so, needs, uh, not so everyone yes, needs to hit home yes, runs. Avoiding contact with the ball, you're so, doing really, really well. So I've avoided uh, being correct about uh, predicting uh, winners in the playoffs so far 100% of the time. I'm so proud of you. So we'll talk about uh, a little bit about Saskatchewan and Toronto out of the gate. Uh, yeah, I thought a great game. I, I will say that like, if you watch the game... It definitely, uh, a lot of what we spoke about last week in terms of what could have evolved. Yeah. Uh, Saskatchewan changing up their quarterback partway through because Kevin Glenn's getting a lot of pressure. So they put this scramblier uh, Brandon Bridge in place. 
Uh, that all happened. Saskatchewan all like did that, and um, in their first few plays, because Toronto did exactly. It's like they were listening to this podcast. I think they were. I think they were. They knew exactly, or they just watched last week's game, which is probably <laughs> more accurate because they which did is more than I did. Which is they did exactly what Ottawa didn't do. Uh, and that's, you know, lots of blitz pressure on Kevin Glenn, uh, make him throw bad, you know, forced throws, you know, recognizing he's not as fast on his feet anymore, all that sort of stuff, and force Bridge into the play so he can deal with a rookie quarterback. Can I ask a question? Fire. Interceptions. How many is too many? Wow. And he's, well... If uh, it's your team, one is too many. Right. Uh, but if you're as, watching as the football, interested viewer. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, there's two ways to look at interceptions. Because this is can I? My Please. point is, my view is, it's kind of like that scene in The Simpsons where um, Bart puts a sticky note on the back of Homer's head, and he starts spinning around on the kitchen floor, <laughs> around and around. And at first, his whole family is watching, and at first, they're they're it's amused. funny and they're amusing, yeah. and then it but just gets, gets weird and sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that is exactly how I would look at. I think seven turnovers. Is that what it was? I think there was total. a turnover on downs. There was a at turnover the on downs, which was an interesting play early in the game. I don't know why you do that. If you're tr- yeah. now, it ended up not burning Toronto. Uh, but I don't know why you would do that. I mean, you're that close. You're in the first quarter. Just take the points. Yes. Just take the three points. And that was a long, like it was almost a full two yards. That was a very challenging third down to try and get. Anything inside a yard in the CFL is almost a gimme on a yeah. short yardage play because of the, the distances the two teams are from each other on the line of scrimmage. Like It's quite a distance. Oh, is that why short, yeah. third and short always seems to work? It always seems to work because okay. in the NFL, the teams are actually much, much closer together. So you have no momentum off of off of snapping the ball. Those short yardage plays can be very easy to defeat. But in the CFL, the distance is so great. And if you're the I learn something every week on my every own week podcast. on your own podcast. Yeah. If you're the team uh, on offense, then you're you know the play call. You know mm. when the snap's going to come, and that gives you that extra momentum to make those short yardages very easy. But a yard and a half that's that's. Yeah, maybe just a bit too far to try and pull, especially at a time when you didn't really have to do it. Ended up, it didn't really affect Toronto, but regardless. Uh, turnovers, yeah, lots of them. So one on downs, uh, I think there was a fumble, and there was at least like four or five interceptions. Between yeah, it seemed teams. to be, yeah, it was insane. back and forth. And you're right. To and it was cert- kind of nicely evenly spaced out. It they were, sort of a, yeah, they kind of went both there. ways yeah. for both teams. And I think they're, you're absolutely right. Your analogy is not only entertaining, it is accurate. I think to a certain point, you watch, you get the, the pick. If your team is getting yeah. the inception, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And if your team gives it up, it's like, oh, the, you know, towering highs, the crushing <laughs> yes, lows. Yes. It's so exciting. But after about the fourth interception, you're like, who are these people? Yes, like, exactly. What homeless person was given the football? Go out there and throw that football. Uh, it just, yeah, it looks, it starts to look a bit amateurish after a while. Uh, so that doesn't bode well for, for whoever's advancing out of the yeah. East, considering what we saw in the Western. Exactly. Yeah, which was airtight play. Airtight play in the Western Conference. A little less in music. A little less, less entertaining. Yeah, totally less, less of music. Less, uh, less of music. Less of a clown college. Yeah. Uh, a little more of a professional football I look play. for hijinks in my uh, Shenanigans in my are great. Yes. Yeah, having some head, you know. Uh, anybody can, you know, pull, you know, balloons out of their mouth. Mm. Stuff like that. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so the Western Final... Uh, again, a close game, a lot like the Eastern final, but 
Yeah, wow. Everybody looked really good yeah. there. Certainly the first quarter did sort of look like what I thought Calgary might look like, and that's a little rusty, uh, a little slower. Like, you know, they hadn't, you know, they looked. And that's why they lost. <laughs> For anyone who's not watched the games, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was but but it's just going by Brad's, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. Actually, I'll get into the analysis of wins and losses in a second. Okay, but, yeah. But yeah, definitely uh, Calgary looked a little sluggish out of the gate. I mean, Edmonton put up 14 first quarter points, pretty much unanswered, uh, until... Calgary respond in the second quarter. Yeah. And when what, what, what a second quarter. Yeah, an amazing second quarter. So really, uh, you know, Edmonton did stay in the game. Now that game, though, so we'll talk about the win by yeah. Calgary. That play, that came down to a fourth quarter decision with a minute 40 left, about a minute 40. Uh, Edmonton deep in Calgary's, you know, in Calgary's half, pressuring, but at third and four. So the call, the play call, that seems obvious. You only got a minute 40 left, which in the CFL, I'll admit, that's because of, because of the crazy clock rules in the CFL after the three-minute yeah. warning. A minute 40 can be quite a while, but it's not super long. Like, it's not an amazingly long time. And you're already and at the field goal does nothing for you. Right. Even two field goals at that time would do nothing for them. They were down by seven. You'd have you need to score the touchdown. So the um, the play call you would think would be yes, we're going to go for it on third and four. I'll uh, get the first down and then shoot. You know, keep running the clock and shoot for the for the win with a touchdown. No, <laughs> pull off the offense, put specialty teams on, and go for a field goal, which did nothing but just sort of. Close a gap that you couldn't close with another field goal anyway. Sort of an emotional padding. Yeah, kind of. Almost, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was almost like somebody was betting the spread. And we're, like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Yes. we're gonna get almost. the spread. Yes. We're gonna get the spread. We'll cover the spread, but yeah. we're still gonna lose. So uh you know, I was watching some of the highlights of uh, uh Edmonton ownership. Uh, up in the box in uh, Calgary, and like they were waving, like they were yeah. shrugging their shoulders. No one understood. Were why. they actually waving? Were they, well, like, they trying were, to sort of pounding on the glass? Well, they were kind of like, like shrugging yeah. their yeah. shoulders, like what the, like what was that? Why, why are we going for this play? Why are we kicking a field goal? You know, minute forty, we, the end of the play. We we need a touchdown. You know, we don't need this now. And it it was interesting because if they had gone for third, now there's a lot of moving parts here. Right? Yeah. Like you'd have to get it. You know, you have to get that third and four conversion, but on. Um, the series before, you know, on the same drive, they had a third and ten, and they went on that. Really? Yeah, yeah. and they got it. But well, third, maybe they were feeling lucky. <laughs> but third, they weren't. Maybe they said yeah. we expended yeah. our luck on third. Yeah, and yeah, 10, that's it. Yeah, we're not exactly. going to do it on third and four. So, uh, a weird call that definitely that was the game because um, now Calgary got the ball back. Did they have a realistic chance though with the minute forty? <laughs> Oh, I think, well, yeah, with yeah. a minute 40, deep in their own end, if or deep in Calgary's end, Edmonton scores a touchdown, Edmonton's not winning the game. Now all you've got to do is, you know, get three down and out on Calgary, which they ended up doing. Yeah. Um, and then so Edmonton's ready to get the ball back. Now they've only got the ball back, though, with 20 yeah. seconds left on the clock. And they ended up fumbling it on the punt. And uh, are on the kickoff or the punt and then never uh, – and recovered by Calgary. That was the end of the game. But they wouldn't have got yeah. – you know, if they with the if they've retained the possession, everyone was talking about the fumble. Who cares about the fumble? You've only got twenty seconds left on the clock at this stage. You've given Calgary the clock is as much your enemy yeah. as the scoreboard. Uh, you need to score those points, move out ahead, 
you know, and then you don't care if Calgary kills. Calgary's not going to kill the clock. They're going to try and score. They can throw crazy plays and you can intercept, blah, blah, blah. I think the whole game could have changed. Strings, the nice thing about this is it ties in neatly with uh, our second topic, which is... Exciting Grey Cups or Grey crazy cups decisions. And it's remarkable how many of them have turned on boneheaded or idiosyncratic coaching decisions and yeah. fumbles. And fumbles, so yes. So many fumbles. So many fumbles. So a quick, we'll just wrap up with the Saskatchewan-Toronto game. Uh, so again, not an accurate prediction on my part. Yeah. A Toronto win. Again, a very close game. Like I said, Saskatchewan looked pretty shaky for a lot of that game, but not ever out of reach. I no, think no, It was like 18-3 or something like that. I mean, 18-3, I mean, you get one touchdown, you're within a possession, eh? And this was going on for most of the game. Bridge came out. They did exactly as I thought they would do because all the pressure was getting to Glenn. They put Brandon Bridge in. And what did Brandon Bridge do out of the gate but act like Kevin Glenn? Yeah. Instead of using his 24-year-old legs or however old he is. Yeah. I don't know how old he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and scampering and, and, and acting like scampering, you know, scampering S- scrambling, yeah. you know, all these various S words that describe running. He would, you know, very conservatively hand the ball off. Like wasn't trying for the play action at all. Wasn't trying to get in motion up until one play deep into the third quarter where he picked up like 15, 20 yards on a run. And then from that point forward, they scored. They were up ahead and it looked like this was it. But uh, Ricky Ray, man. I mean, we talked about his baldness last week. Yeah, uh, he, he is. He obviously didn't hear us and yeah. feel bad about well, it. Well, yeah, seriously, he, he did, we didn't. We didn't phase him. <clears throat> we did not phase him. He so we'll have to try harder. Had a heck of a drive to to go up ahead, and uh, yeah, Toronto looked very strong, unfazed. But next week, I don't know, man. I looking at the Eastern Western Finals this week. There's definitely two tiers of football in this league. Mind you, people would have said that last year when the Red Blacks well, it's, went in to you've face. You've got one game to do it, so well, uh, this is it. So it's know, muzzle, a great record. A muzzle be, yeah, you muzzle be the spoiler. I think you can uh, say muzzle tough. Muzzle tough. Muzzle be. Muzzle be. Muzzle tough. Yeah. Uh, so you might as well, yeah, make it happen for that one game. I think in this case, I mean, last year with Ottawa in it, I was always you know pro Ottawa, ready for them to pull out the win. This week or this coming week, I, yeah, Toronto can do it. But I mean, if I was literally putting money on this, and Calgary's where your safe bet is. And you're gonna you're gonna give us a spread. What do you what do you a gonna spread? Uh, give us a score. A score. That's a tougher. That's very difficult. I think it will be a, a fair. It's not like that's held you back before. No, it hasn't, and I've certainly never been accurate because of it. I don't think it's going to be a close one. I think unfortunately yeah. this is not going to be. Uh, one of the best Grey Cups, uh, and we're going to talk about some of the great ones in a minute. Uh, I think this one's going to be uh, pretty much, you know, Toronto will stay in it, but it'll be a Calgary-dominated game. I'm going to go 32-21. 32-21? Yeah. Yeah. You're All right. first. For Calgary, that is. Yes. So. Moving on to part two. Part two, the Grey Cup. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the Grey Cup. Webster's Dictionary defines, <laughs> defines a gray Defines gray. As a color intermediate between white and... Actually, it's not a color. It's a tone? It's a tone. It's I a think. tone. I don't yeah. think it's a color, no. It's a tone between gray and white. Or gray and white, black and white. So uh, so I read a book about the gray cup, so I know everything there is to know about it. So you can tell us so, who it's named after. So uh, first I'm going to tell you about the book I read, because I've got to give I got to give props. The, the source of all my knowledge on this subject exactly. is History of the Gray Cup. By Graham Kelly. I think it was produced, uh, produced, uh, published in 2012. 
and it's a fine read. I recommend it to to everyone. The guy, uh, I'm just going to read out the highlights of his biography, so it'll give you a sense of where he came from. He was the Rough Riders water boy between 1956 and 57. Awesome. Then he uh, covered the writers for United Press International from 63 to 68. And then the CFL for the Medicine Hat News since 1972. Great. And as I say, this was written in, I think, 2012. It goes up to 2012. So he's would still hard the, at it. So that would been, have been the 100th Grey Cup in, yeah, in 2012. Yeah. yeah that would so, have been the 100th Grey Cup. So you can see the, the, the attitude he's, he's taking here. He's, and it's definitely, a, there's a, there's a, a West versus East narrative sort of running through this whole thing, okay. as you as you'd expect in yeah, the true, way it's true, set up. True. But there, you, you you can see where his heart lies. It's definitely it's definitely with the Western teams, and I kind of like that because because the way you read this, certainly the the sort of the first pre war pre World War Two Grey Cups, it's the it's the Canadian Rugby Union running yes. things, and they're running it out of I believe Toronto, but certainly yeah. they're certainly they're running it out of the East, and they're stuck up big city toffs. And you've got you've got these these Western yokels every year. It's great every year, every, every year, every year coming, coming east on a train. I love they they always take the train down, and there there seems to be in the story story uh, Kelly's telling. There's you know a big send off at the station, and oh, the, really? and, and and the good luck, our boys are off the way. Exactly, and, and it's like it's like people are talking. You about freaking losers. <laughs> I'm making these these wildly inaccurate predictions for their success. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's never been such a team. It would take a team of supermen to defeat our boys. They're flawless in every way. And Until then they we go actually there. play the game, yeah. and then it's not even close. And it's it's usually, it seems to be it seems to be uh, Regina. Regina. Yeah, Regina Rugby Club. Club and then yeah. Regina Rough Riders heading west most of the time yep. and getting stomped on by often Toronto. Yeah, um, Balmy Beach. Balmy Beach, Queen's University. Queen's University. I think Varsity Western, Blues. Varsity, Varsity, Varsity Blues. Blues is the one that yeah, stomps on them the most Yeah, very dominant, yeah, for years. So, okay, so who is it? So it's named after a former governor general. It is. I gotta get... His, his last name, I can tell you, with some certainty, was Gray. <laughs> That's a but, fair but I'm, I'm looking at him. Oh, Albert Earl Gray. Earl He's, Gray. Good tea. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah, known for tea. But I'm sure he must have like a Viscount or something in there anyway. Yeah. Oh, he's no. Earl. Yeah, he's Governor General Earl Albert Henry George Gray. Wow. Owner of a fine mustache. Uh, I'm looking at the picture right here. Well, as they all did in Victoria. Exactly. Right? I was just yeah, going to say they typical were very of his time. You're not going. Yeah. You're not going to make Earl or Governor General without a without, without a pretty some good mustache. mustache. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just Movember mustaches. Like no, this, no, you no. Can't I'm grow pretty this sure. In a month. I'm pretty sure he had this thing year round. Yeah, this Probably. Is... He cared about prostate cancer. Probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's going year uh, round. The, the Edwardian era was basically all about prostate Very cancer prostate awareness. Very prostate cancer focus. Lots of ribbons yes, and uh, November absolutely. mustaches. Absolutely. In fact, he has a lot of ribbons. He does. Yes, he has. You know what? Yes. Brocade. He has brocade. Oh. And I think we need to find the disease that... <laughs> That caused that. No, that 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 you know we can we can wear gold brocade. How do we get to, that? to raise awareness? To for raise something. awareness. Oh, you think, psoriasis. So it sort of looks a bit like it is. Of, yeah. It is a bit of a psoriasis thing, or maybe eczema or something like mm. that. Hard to say. Yeah, some kind of skin disease. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, so uh, the interesting thing is, so the, so the first game is, is so he didn't want to dedicate the uh, the cup to. Football. Yeah, he wanted hockey. He wanted he? hockey, but some other grandee had beaten him to it. <laughs> Lord um, Stanley. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, it was even, the Allen no, Cup. It's That's the Allen right. Cup. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, even right, Lord the Stanley. Stanley Cup had already been yeah. already been donated. Yeah, so he to, got cucked by somebody yeah. who wasn't like we don't even remember anymore. Um, <laughs> so he was going to donate it to or give the Challenge Cup to 
the top amateur, was it? Or like second tier hockey or something? Uh, like yeah, that. I think it was which Montreal now, Senior or something like that. Which is now the Allen Cup. It does exist. Yep, yep. Yeah. Sir Hugh Montague Allen. Oh, now that's a... Montague. That's a name. Oh yeah. my goodness, boy. Yeah, only, Kem, only Benedict Cumberbatch yeah, is around Yeah, exactly. They don't name them like that anymore. They don't name them like that anymore, except in the UK. So uh, donated in 1909, yep. uh, unfortunately, to Canadian Rugby yep. Football Championship. Interestingly, the first game they played, uh, I think it was the Varsity Blues that won it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won it 26-6 to against uh, Toronto Parkdale Canoe Club. <laughs> so Parkdale good. Canoe Club. Oh, good. You know, a proud history. Yeah, absolutely. God. <laughs> the Parkies. The... Man, I love those guys. <laughs> the fighting... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a canoe head myself. <laughs> fighting rowers, they yeah. call them. Yeah. Uh, well, I, which was actually interesting that the, the Argonauts, which were around then, too, and challenged for the Cup a few times in the early generations of the cup yeah yeah it was originally a rowing club as well yeah hence their but, i mean there's nothing the boat you, know, men, you know i mean yeah there's nothing oh really i was oh the argonauts cause well Jason that and the argonauts row in their yeah, boat yeah exactly so they're often the kind of colloquially yeah. referred to as the boatmen, both the lineage like to their that. name yeah. and where they come yeah. from i've always thought the argonauts was one of the best names going yeah um, it's pretty cool a lot of soccer te- a lot of soccer teams in i think it was an english team but then it got picked up in south america called themselves corinthians which i always oh, thought was a nice that'd be like a good classic makes you think of real well, corinthian if... leather yeah <laughs> Just like Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, and then you think of Ricardo Montalban, yeah. and then you're just off And in then your day yeah. is just amazing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, that guy. It's like, it's like lying in a warm bath. So, just... <laughs> you know, bubbles. Yes. Oh, Ricardo. Just listening to him sing the praises of a Chrysler oh, Baron. That guy <laughs> could sell. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, he could sell. So. Where were we? I think oh, we're talking I about the to, early yes, Grey Cup. To, yes. yes. <laughs> the first Grey Cup. So, so uh, Varsity Blues win it. But somehow, they had forgotten to actually make the cup. So I think they won it yes. in December. Well, I think it and then they wasn't... ran out to Brinks and had it made up, and it was awarded in March the it next year. It was awarded the next year because yeah. they didn't actually have the cup yet. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, man. So the first few years of the Grey Cup, as I understand it, are mainly, well, I think it was they were all pretty much amateur teams back then. I think so, not? and there were there seemed to be like they you know there's there's obviously your perennial flavors flavors favorites running through it of course you've got your balmy beaches balmy beach is huge you know still is in rugby actually oh really yeah oh, a it's, good still, rugby a, it's club. still a yeah. going concern yeah it's still a rugby football club um where is balmy beach in the the beaches in toronto oh it's in the beaches okay. yeah it is in the beaches yeah oh, still live in yeah. the beaches yeah oh did you live in yeah, the beaches? yeah 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 good club yeah good rugby club good history there nice neighborhood uh, and obviously a great uh, f- uh, football history in regards yeah. to the Grey Cup. Um, so but, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, Beach, you had a million varsity these, blues. Like so, so a team, a lot of university teams. So a team will appear, you know, win the Grey Cup, like right. I think Western did one year, and then just sort of never Disappear, appear again. Yeah. I think I think universities stopped competing in like the late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, that's what I read. That it just kind of got uh, to the point where they couldn't compete with these. Uh, senior teams yeah. that were at that point starting to become professional. Yeah. Guys are yeah. getting paid to play as opposed to university students who obviously aren't and they're just not rising to the same level of competition. But some interesting winners of the, like uh, Sarnia Imperials. Sarnia Imperials, if they didn't win it once. They were, they they were, were contenders a few they were times. They contenders yeah. a few times. Yeah. In fact, I remember reading somewhere cities that have hosted the Great Cup, Toronto overwhelmingly, the bulk, uh, and then the usual suspects. One in Kingston... Yes, One great cup so. was hosted in Kingston, and another great cup game hosted in Sarnia, like uh, with the Imperials. What, what team has the Golden Gales? I know the Golden oh, Gales. Queens. Is that uh, Queens? Queen, Kingston. So that yeah, would be the yeah. one that they would have hosted. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so, but it does seem to be Toronto hosting it 
almost lot. invariably. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I think I think there was one where it went down to Hamilton. Part of the problem was, and I think this is post-war, but you know, uh, hosting it in in Hamilton, nobody in Toronto wanted to travel down that far to see right. a game, right. and nobody in Hamilton wanted to see the Argonauts play. So, <laughs> really? so yeah. So. <laughs> I love these, these petty civic rivalries. Oh, they're really, great. Yeah. They really make Canada what Canada's all Exactly, about. exactly. Yeah. And arguing about the rules, and that's another issue. That's that another, because, I mean, the Western Rugby Union at the time uh, was playing often under a different set of rules. And one of the big rules that started to change, and the only reason the, the Westerners, bless their souls, actually started to win it, I think... I think Winnipeg was the first Western team to win it in 35. I think you're right. And that's because they started bringing in Americans. And oh, that, really? Yeah, as, as far as I can tell from reading this, bringing in the Americans was, was what, you know, put the, uh, put the West over the edge, and that's when they started to win. But it was, a, it was obviously a bone of contention with the East because it was giving the West the advantage. And, and sort of, I mean, beautifully throughout this, uh, written by a Westerner, there's always this sort of like, <laughs> this sort of like insinuation We've bubbling been, under the surface that the Easterners over. are... <laughs> Are conspiring to cheat the uh, to, to cheat the West out of the Grey Cup, and also probably the Easterners were were trying to cheat the uh, cheat the, the West out of, the Grey a little Cup. Bit out of the Grey Cup. So we have uh, early early eras. Of course, we spoke last week with uh, the First World War. The Grey Cup uh, was not. Oh, challenged. Just, sorry, before we go too oh, far sorry, ahead, yeah. one of the one of the great talking about petty uh, oh, petty yes. conflicts. I love pettiness. And I think I think it was Regina. Yeah. It might have been um, Calgary. Might have been the Bronx. I'm not sure which team it was. Yeah. But the the team executive was heading out east to the game on the train, of course. Of course. And there was a the, the team executive was split between whether they take CN or CP. <laughs> to a true Canadian issue. They bickered for so long. Eventually, they came to to an agreement. But by then, it was too late, and the uh, the Canadian Rugby Union said no. So I think I think that year, and I can't remember which year it was, but it was it was pre World War Two. Um, it was a, it was an all Eastern final. It was an all Eastern final because the Western team didn't, couldn't choose couldn't their which railroad. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous! So we spoke last week uh, during the First World War. The Cup wasn't mm. challenged for at all. No, nope. uh, through most of the First World War. Uh, in nineteen twenty, it's back on, and as we we talked uh, by nineteen thirty, you're starting to see more professional teams and university yeah. teams. Although they're challenging, they're not showing up as often yeah. in the finals. And, and, I, and I think they actually, I think, I, I want to say it was 29, where I don't know if it was the last time that a university team showed up, or it was when universities made the decision that they just weren't up. They just the, weren't going to challenge challenge. anymore yeah. for it. Yeah, exactly. And then we, of course, discussed during the Second World War what happened. And uh, the interesting part of it now, going back to being almost amateur teams during the Second World War, with, with teams... Um, of military pl- of players and seeing again an east uh, another east east final yep. with the and that was what was the dispute there was a dispute in 1940 that prevented the west from playing and i think that dispute think it was, was the, the forward pass was it was, it, or it was, it was either rules? the forward pass or the use of americans but there was again another divide <laughs> within the canadian football community oh over, such a challenge yeah such a dear yeah up until uh, i think the 1923 final here that i'm seeing was uh Queen's University beating Regina Rugby Club 54-0. Yes. That's not a great thing for sure. Uh, However, Regina revolutionized game football in 1925 
completing or attempting, not completing, attempting the first forward pass in great. So that was the other thing. The Westerners were the first ones to really adopt the forward pass. And I think the first ones to adopt blocking as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Because you can't block, you can't obstruct in rugby. So, so I think that that might've been brought in by the Americans. But if you look at like the evolution and I can't remember the exact details, but the forward pass comes in, but there's all kinds of crazy restrictions on it. So right. you've got to be at least five yards back from the line of scrimmage. And you can't be passing to somebody in like the the twenty the opponent's 25-yard line or right. closer to the end zone. And then then if you missed or if... So no, the, the original rule was if, if the, the, the pass was incomplete, then the ball could be picked up as if it was... It like was a live a, ball. Yeah, it was a live ball. <coughs> Which is what you have in rugby. Exactly. Yeah, the ball was a live ball. And then they changed that. If you threw two incompletes uh, in a <laughs> row, the, the other team got possession. So it was wow. like... There was a real fear of... Of throwing uh, a of, forward of, pass. <laughs> there was right. ramifications oh, oh, yeah. to yeah, forward exactly. passes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, after the Second World War, uh, the teams are coming back, like the players coming back, the leagues are starting up. Now we're really seeing the morphing of the modern game, or at least the modern teams that we yeah. see now, like the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, um, you know, uh, Edmonton, the Regina Rough Riders, soon, soon to be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But you're still, the Canadian Rugby Union is still running the cup, as I understand it. And I don't know when it went from CRU to CFL. Uh, it but happened, you do, because yeah, you're looking at Wikipedia I'm looking right at now. it right now, Cheater. and I believe... That would have happened. Read a book, man. Ah, books. Crazy. You, uh, you millennials. Yeah, no, it's all online. 1958. 1958? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was yeah. that late. Yeah, well, there was a Canadian football, sorry, the CRU uh, was sort of, it morphed into a like Canadian football council in 1956, but kept its fingers in the pie, so to speak. Yeah. But then uh, the teams were actually very annoyed with the CRU. They didn't like the sort of amateurish of it playing on some of the fields and things like this. So uh, the teams uh, ended up kind of pulling themselves out of from away from the Canadian Rugby Union and forming the modern Canadian Football So it League. isn't that the CRU morphed into the CFL. It's like everybody quit. Everybody sort quit. of quit the CRU. Like, like to the Stonecutters. Yes, exactly. We're going to form no our homers. own club. The No yeah. Homers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe we don't want to be Stonecutters no more. Exactly. So, yeah, so you see the CFL, uh, but this modern is the CFL in 1958. What rights did the CRU and now the CFL have to the Grey Cup? Like, who did uh, Earl Grey yeah. give so, it to? Yeah, my understanding is that it is much like the Stanley Cup. It's a challenge cup. Now, obviously, it's synonymous now with the with the CFL final. The CFL Championship. I guess what I'm getting at is, can, <coughs> can you we, and me put together we a, go a ragtag the, team? And... I feel like we can. I well, I mean, maybe something's been written into the Constitution now of the CFL, which I would the Charter, which <laughs> the Charter. Yes. I think they just call it the Eleven G, <laughs> Section Eleven G. It's all about if you're arrested, yeah. you know, during yeah. a playoff. Also, game. yeah, the uh, the but I think it uh, it may still be no like I think it's still from what I understand a Challenge Cup. Because that was a deal with the Stanley Cup back, if you'll remember, when the NHL strike was on. And there was going to be no Stanley Cup playoffs. But people were arguing, like, well, it's a challenge cup. Anyone can challenge for it. So why don't amateur teams play for it or women's teams? Like, anyone can challenge for it that they want. Obviously, the NHL is a big machine and 
that was the last thing they were going to allow happen was the Stanley Cup being played for by amateurs or heaven forbid oh, but women you know <laughs> something they just weren't going to let happen but I was going to say the KHL get, or the get, KHL you know, get all the Russians no, over. I really think they've got a good chance this <laughs> they've year. got a good chance this year I like their chances so uh, with the CFL yeah I think obviously now it's synonymous the Great Cup is synonymous with it but arguably I think you could challenge for it I think you should make that argument <laughs> maybe I'll just run down on the field I whoever wins this next yeah. week yeah. I got 11 friends. Yeah. We're going to start playing some football here. We're going to try and win the Great Cup. So, memorable Great Cup moments. All right. Do you want to... Well, I'm going to start for the first one. Yeah, we okay. We talked a little bit about it uh, before we got cracking today. One I think is great. The Mud Bowl of 1950. The Mud Bowl of 1950? 1950. So, that... That was, that was according to according to Graham Kelly, the source of all my knowledge. Yes. That was the CRU's fault. The, uh, the damned Easterners... Yes. Uh, refused to put tarpaulin over the uh, over the field to keep the rain off. Yes, well, there was some comment. And a, and a Westerner nearly drowned, I believe. Yes, Bud Tinsley. Ah, Buddy but, Tinsley. Yeah. yeah he, uh, Winnipeg's Buddy Tinsley. He um, apparently, <laughs> after the end of a tackle, was in about, uh, about five inches of water with his head down, uh, shoved into the water. And there was some talk that he was, the rumor had it at the time that he was unconscious and the risk was that he was going to drown. Uh, according to Buddy, he was not unconscious. He was just hurt. But uh, the conditions were so bad that the, and I've seen the photo. I mean, there is a lot, there's there television coverage of it at the time or uh, newsreel coverage of it at the time in 1950. And yeah, you can't tell yeah. like the players apart. Everyone is just covered in mud. The field is, is unplayable. Um, yeah, apparently there was a lot of, uh, cons- or a lot of complaint, not just by the Western teams, but generally yeah. by the other teams in the CRU of just how horrible, uh, varsity state. It was, var- it was Toronto varsity stadium at that time. Too. You know, I used to go to school right next to varsity stadium really? and, and I had no, and I think it was under construction for most of the time I was there, but like, I was like in the building right next door to and it. The and if I had known, was if I had right known like, uh, all these, these events had transpired there. Yeah. Right there. The Cause I think at that point, bowl. Toronto University of T didn't even have a football team. Yeah. They actually they're... lost it for a while. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they did. I don't think for misbehavior. I think for just being bad at playing football. So in, um, 19, I think it's another uh, memorable moment. Oh, just a second. Sorry. Before, oh, yeah, before we jump on, uh, th- I can give you, uh, Mr. Tinsley's uh, view of the situation. No, I wasn't <laughs> drowning. I had hurt my knee in the playoffs, and when I went down east, they taped my knee and quadriceps so tight the muscles wouldn't move. I happened to get hit right in the thigh, real hard. That paralyzed my leg, and I fell forward. <laughs> okay, so he didn't actually drown. No, he did not drown uh, during the mud. He lived to tell the tale. But that's a great story. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Uh, 1956, a uh, great cup between Edmonton and I. Th- think toronto again um oh montreal Alouettes. sorry uh toronto montreal 1956 gray cup the uh, touchdown so what the spoiler here is edmonton was winning the game anyway so it ended up not being a big deal it was 50 to 27 a win by edmonton uh, uh edmonton player jackie parker scored a touchdown fans go wild but this was back in the day that like you stood there was no like there was bleachers, yeah. but you could stand by the stadium, like stand. And just on slap the him on his back as he runs. Like, hey, yeah, 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 no, 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 Jackie no, Parker! Yeah. I like yeah. what you're doing out there, buddy. Um, Jackie Parker had great ears. Oh, look, there's a picture of Jackie. Oh, Parker. there's Jackie Parker. We'll have to try and put and something Normie like that Kwan. up on our. Uh, oh, Norman Kwan, the China Clipper. Yep, we're going to talk about him next week on a on a different. Segment, yes, I think. Yes, yes, there's good stuff in here. But um, 
yeah, so Jackie Parker scores touchdown. Uh, everyone swarms the field. Time to kick the conversion. That's no so one can find the ball. Well, that happens. <laughs> I can see how that would happen. And the best part is that the no one had a football. So you have this. Like, I've actually seen the clip uh, on TV where you have this like old timey 1956 CBC announcer. Uh, if anyone has a football, would they please bring it down to the field? Thank you. And so no one, they never did get another football. They never did kick the conversion. The the refs just called the game. They said, ah, oh, that's good enough. I mean, they were up 50 or 27. So and why not? A so, one-point conversion is not going to be So I'm going to take us back in history just a couple of years. Oh, please. To 1948 hmm. and the birth of the, uh, the Grey Cup Festival. Yes, this is. I think I know the story you're going to talk about. Fire away. So, so this is once again the Grey Cup is being held in Toronto, and once again, is this Calgary? This is Calgary. This is a good story. Calgary yes, comes away. east. It's yeah. it's so good because once again they're taking the train, and and of course they <laughs> well, are by this time because they're also bringing twelve horses and a bunch of cows with them, <laughs> and a thousand spectators on the train down from from calgary to uh to toronto and i like to imagine that it was sort of a whistle stop tour like yeah. every every small <laughs> every town yeah would, they would they, maybe you know, they're eating a cow the tracks. <laughs> yeah. along the way apparently apparently every time they stopped the team would get up and do calisthenics so oh, i'm like really? to think like some iroquois twists Iroquois some old time yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a giant party all the way down to toronto and once they got to toronto the party really started so they all yep. hopped on their horses there was a parade. There was some controversy about whether the coach rode his horse into one of the uh, one of the. It hotels. was the Royal York. The Royal York. It was there the Royal go. York yeah. downtown. Yeah. The book is unclear on it. Most of the people who were actually there say uh, that no, it didn't happen because the manager, who was a friend of the coach, told him not to do so. Right. But but it was that kind of like chaotic event. Again, giant party, and once again, the West lost. But then they did it again in '49. Came down with the with the same accoutrement of uh, livestock, <laughs> livestock, and uh, and actually won the game. So, so that's a good thing to bring up because that also created. It's not just a memorable Grey Cup moment in isolation. It created a, a new tradition, tradition exactly. yes, of like Grey Cup part of the Grey Cup, not just being a football game, but being a party, and there being like a week of festivities leading into it, and and a good a good party, regardless of whether your teams are in the Grey Cup or not. Oh, and in the 49 game, so Calgary wins, the team gets back home, their reward for winning the Grey Cup, each of them got a his and hers Hudson Bay coat. <laughs> of course they did. That's not a huge gift. <laughs> that is that is not a huge gift, no. His and hers. Very presumptuous that the CFL actually thought everyone was married on those teams. That's true. That's yeah. true. Or had a, had a sweet, a best gal to a take dancing gal. at a the... Good, uh, a good lady to yeah. take out. So, uh, 1957 Grey Cup, a lawyer yes. from Toronto. God bless Those the lawyers. dirty lawyer, Toronto lawyers. Grey Cup game between, I think, Hamilton and I don't know who the Eastern or the Western uh, team was. Uh, Winnipeg, actually. Uh, it was East, it was, yeah, it was Hamilton and uh, Winnipeg. A uh, Toronto uh, lawyer, again, still 1957. You can pretty much stand on the sidelines. And... Uh, Breakaway run by the uh, by Hamilton player, and what did he do? He tripped him, <laughs> which is great. Can <laughs> you imagine being able to like first off stand on I the mean, sideline? Who's, who's that poor guy in in Chicago 
who reached out for the uh, like oh the, the Chicago Bowl, Cubs the, the yeah run, I'm not gonna repeat his name because people get angry about that but yes but but I mean he was like vilified I for know doing, like I mean I, I can't remember and I can't, don't even know if I ever even watched the exactly what the video was but he seemed to just be doing well yeah like he went out and caught the ball created a ground rule double and yeah that kept the inning going and got the Cubs out of the World Series again uh, but by comparison. And, and oh. considering the, the the treatment that guy got oh, afterwards, yeah. but I mean, I think a, a, there's a there's probably a point in here actually where the it's different than than it is now. Mm. So then, in 1957, with someone you could steal the football for, well, you can even yeah. steal the football. But I mean, you're not there's not uh, you know six million people watching you yeah. on television. But, but that's what's interesting in baseball when the when you the ball c- comes over the stands or close to the stands, you get that weird intersection, that liminal section where it's like, well, who? Yeah, who's, what, what rules are there with respect to the? the I think the thing spectators. would be you're in you're in Chicago. Uh, the opposite team is batting. Let the ball go into play. So you're, you're eating a big so slice the, of what's uh, that? Philly cheesesteak or, no, or deep dish? Right? Deep dish pizza. Yeah, there sorry, you Chicago. go. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, so, but yeah, back then you would have had, or sorry, in uh, recent time now, yeah, people can watch your your bonehead move forty times yeah. over and over on YouTube. Back then, in nineteen fifty seven, no one could repeatedly watch this guy trip. <laughs> can we jump to watching uh, bonehead moves on YouTube? And I've got to find. I can't remember which Grey Cup it is, but the Angelo Mosca. Oh, that's a gold one. So that started back in 19... It was the 50s, was it? 50s or 61. It was somewhere in there. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, Yeah. BC Lions and Hamilton Tiger Cats, correct? Yes. Uh, Tackled by Angela Mosca on a BC receiver. Injured him. Yeah. Broke his leg. uh, No, I think it knocked him out. Knocked him out? Okay. Either knocked him out or... or, Yeah, I think think it knocked him out. Uh, what was his name? Joe... Uh, Fleming, I think, yeah. or Fielding, or something like that. Anyways. Poor guy. He was like the star of the team, and I can't remember his name. But I remember <laughs> this is... I remember the two knuckleheads they fight about it <laughs> so this, a century later. So this went, uh, yeah, back... Uh, so 100 years... Uh, well, not 100 years later. Sorry, the 100, 100th Grey Cup. Yes. 50 years later, uh, 2012. Uh, they're having like this Grey Cup weekend in Toronto to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Grey Cup. And Angela Mosca and... Uh, Joe Cap. Joe Cap were on the stand or on the podium together talking about this this comes up and they get these guys are like in walkers it's, and canes well so so joe cap is actually looking pretty spry i just watched this yeah. yesterday angela mosca's career the, as a wrestler well, probably yeah i think i added think, a few years to it so angela yeah. mosca was was probably a a burlier guy to begin with anyway oh, sure, and then sure went on to was. then went on to a wrestling career which yeah. has got to take a toll so joe cap comes up with I think some some like the corsage from the table, like some flowers, and either hands <laughs> it to him to sarcastically or, or flicks it at him. So Mosca takes his cane, you know, his old man, because they're they're both in their seventies at this point, and whacks him pretty hard. Oh, and I then, invite our listeners to go on YouTube and Google yes, this. Yes, absolutely. It is a show, man. It yeah. is a show. And then then watching eighty year old man yeah. throwing punches, yeah. throwing down. I mean, it's like. It's like it's like at the Legion over the last pickled egg, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a like, thing, man. Yeah. It's a thing. So sixty-two. Just to talk, I mean, talking about traditions that events that happened in the Great Cup that changes tradition. There was an event that happened in nineteen sixty-two that sort of created a new tradition for the Great Cup, if you will, and that is the result of the Fog Bowl. Ah, yes, yes, the nineteen sixty-two Fog Bowl played in Toronto again. 
Uh, everything bad happens in Toronto. Mud, well, it's because fog. like ninety percent of the uh, certainly the early yeah games are down there. there. And yeah, so Fog Bowl, nineteen sixty two Exhibition Stadium. Fog rolls in. Uh, Winnipeg and Hamilton are squaring off in uh, in the fiftieth Great Cup, and um, the uh, fog gets so bad. Again, I've seen this on TV, and I think it's probably on YouTube. So I invite anyone to check it out. The fog gets so bad. You can't see the ball. When the ball gets kicked off, the the receivers on specialty teams are just standing there waiting to hear it bounce so they can find out where it landed and chase it down and try and catch it. Or not catch it, just try and recover it. I think it was, uh, there was about nine minutes left. Yeah, and they called the game. Well, they didn't call the game. They suspended the they game. They suspended the game because it was getting so bad. No one could see each other. No one could throw the football. Winnipeg was holding a 28-27 to lead over Hamilton. So they suspended the game and held over for the next day. So they left nine minutes on the clock, nine minutes, 29 seconds on the clock, and they restarted the game the next day. Uh, no one scored. Winnipeg ended up winning that great cup. That, however, was the first great cup to end up ever being played on a Sunday. And from that point forward, they it became... Oh, a, I didn't know that. It was a Saturday game, and that was the yeah. first time that they yeah, ended up having like, a game on know, a Sunday. Because they had to move it to the next day to Toronto, finish it. Toronto, where, you know, you probably couldn't buy liquor on a Sunday. On a Sunday, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was the first time you had a Great Cup on a Sunday. Now, it's always on a Sunday. Yeah. Great Cup Sunday, always. So we're running a little long, and I yep. can probably, probably slice a lot of this stuff out. Like like that point where you revealed that very dark personal secret. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> or this part right here. Or this part right here. Or the, or the 90 <laughs> seconds where I just said the word nipples in a variety of <laughs> yeah, accents. In a variety of yeah. ways. We'll cut all that out. Um we should jump to, there's one that I want to talk about, which sure. is the 95 Grey Cup. Possibly 95 Grey Cup? Oh. Well, what well, happened you, in 95? But do you, want to, do you want to do the 95 Grey Cup and then... The 89? Uh, and then, then do the 89? <coughs> yeah. Because I know you can talk passionately about the 89. I can a little bit. And Buddy's, uh, Buddy's, Buddy's Steak Steakhouse. Ranch. Buddy's Steak Ranch Steakhouse. I can't remember which it was. It's Steak Ranch. It's Steak I was, Ranch. I spent, I spent <laughs> way too much of this afternoon trying to, <laughs> trying trying to, to find, find audio of Perfect. Buddy's Steak Ranch. So tell us about the anomaly that occurred in the 1995 Grey Cup. Anomaly, anomaly makes it seem like it was like out of the blue. Yeah, and it wasn't out of the blue. You're so, right. So to understand the 95 Grey Cup, I think you have to go back to 87. So two things happened to the league in 87. One is the um, Montreal Alouettes folded for not the first time. No. Or sorry, not the last time. Yeah. And Carling O'Keefe dropped its sponsorship, That's which right. was, I think was like $11 million worth at that point. So... So that really put the CFL on hard times, really put it on the rocks. And in these times of desperation, the way it behaved, it kind of behaved like a recently divorced dad, right? <laughs> I it's gotta sort of find like, a new girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's sort of like it's sort of like it decided to quit its day job yeah. and become like a professional online poker player. You know, it's because <laughs> Sandra would never let me do this when we were married. Like, it just started making these crazy. Maybe like Kirk Van Houten. Yeah, exactly. He gets his album. Started, yeah, can I borrow, borrow a feeling? feeling? Yeah. <laughs> So it starts making these crazy kind of like, hey, you know, rolled up sleeves on your on your blazer, like go go eighties uh, activity. So so it brings in a whole bunch of new new owners. Um, up till that point, I think most of the teams had sort of been owned by sort of like local civic yep. grandees who yeah. had done, I think, a pretty bad job managing the finances. Yeah, yeah, at least marketing. Yeah, for the least part. Yeah. So so. I mean, and I don't know exactly what the, the people they brought in did for a living, but they sort of seem to have this sort of like 80s junk bond mm-hmm. vibe about them. And like, so so a lot of teams got new owners who were like out to make money out of mm-hmm. the CFL, which just seems like a ridiculous prospect. Well, you never make money out of the CFL. And then, and then in, I think, 1990, 
the Argonauts got new owners. And who were their owners? They were John Candy, yeah. uh, Bruce McCall, 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 yeah. McCall and uh, Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky. And what was and the, they went big. They went incredibly big. Yes. So, so their, their, I don't know, their draft pick, their first big hire. The Rocket. Yeah. They, the Rocket they, is Mal. Rather than sort of like picking up, you know... U.S. players on the secondary market, the way the way they out, Canada they did. outbid the NFL for and, the first round, and they got pick. yeah, they got Rocket Ishmael for I think it was like eighteen million. It was astronomical. It was at the it time. was an astonishing amount of money. Yeah. It's still still, know, it's still a lot even, of money, even yeah. in this league. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and and I think they only got him for one year. I'm pretty sure he yeah. only played like ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, I don't think he didn't play very long in the CFL. So no. so that kind of like typifies the kind of crazy <clears throat> sort of dice yeah. rolling that the CFL was doing. But they didn't stop there, and they looked south and they said, "We got to make some money." And uh, where are you going to make some money? With this, the Canadian Football League, league you're gonna in, make the it in the United States. States. That is a whole podcast there, buddy. I know, US I know. Expansion. And I don't want to I don't want to go too yeah. far into this. Yeah. But in 93, they sign up their first team, which is the Sacramento Gold Miners, who play in the 94, yeah. 94, 94 season. season yeah. And they just they just stink. Yeah. But they get a whole slew of these teams. Like it's it's amazing how many Las people Vegas they got Posse. to buy. Las Vegas Posse, Shreveport, Shreveport Pirates. Pirates. Where is Shreveport? Uh, Louisiana. Is it Louisiana? Oh, yeah, it okay. is Louisiana. Yeah. But the most iconic team, the ah. only one that was successful, yeah. not only on and the field, mark- but marketably exactly. successful, yeah. was Baltimore. Baltimore, the Baltimore CFLers, CFLers, as they were originally called, <laughs> then the uh, the Baltimore Stallions. So Baltimore's interesting because, and, and again, going back to these petty civil, civil civic rivalries right. and, and petty civic pride, Baltimore was really pissed off at the NFL because they had just recently lost their NFL team, which moved to become the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. So they were open for something to get back at, at the NFL. And when the uh, the CFL came according, they they, le- they they laughed at it. They had a they had a good field. Um, their attendance was like the first year was like averaging 30, 30, 30, over thirty thousand. Yeah, I yeah. think I think incredible it was like attendance. It was very popular, like and like there was still. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, they had a great fan base and I don't know if they still do, but there are people in Baltimore that will still speak fondly yeah. of the CFL coming in at a time when the NFL left them. And, and not only did they, yeah, not only did they, did they have a fan base, but they performed well. Now they performed well. It was, they weren't exactly an expansion team as so far as no. like their 95 team was stacked with CFLers. So it was, was Don Matthews yeah. who was, who was coaching them. They had Tracy Ham. Who yeah. was their CFL? Who had been? These are like he'd these, been around since at least yeah. eighty nine. These are like that, that? CFL Hall of Fame. Players yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, that was a incredible team as well. The makeup of the team they didn't have all of the Canadian content obligations that the Canadian teams had. They could have more Americans right. on their roster. But even their Americans were, oh, were CFL experience CFL, players. Excellent yeah. CFL players. Yeah. yeah. So I think they went to the Great Cup for the first time in ninety. Ninety four, they they played um, BC, BC in Vancouver. Is it BC in Vancouver? They played in Vancouver, and yeah, I think I think it was BC, yeah. and they lost. Yeah. But then in ninety five, yeah, I can't remember where they played. I should probably know this. This is my. Uh, where did they play? That? I think that one might have been in Toronto. Uh, I'll just check. It's always research. safe to say that it was Toronto. Yeah, so Toronto usually won, wins all of them. Uh, I'll check our research department. Yeah, so thank just, you. Uh, yeah, Doctor Google. You can keep rolling. But they uh, they won that game. So uh, you know their second year in the league, and their last year in the league, as it turned out, they won the Grey Cup. And unfortunately for their for their future success in Baltimore, the NFL um, came back to them. So the the Cleveland Browns owner relocated the Browns to. Uh, 
Baltimore, and they became the Ravens. Yes. The so, so Ravens. it turns out the the CFL was truly their rebound fling. And <laughs> never as lasted. As, they as went as back soon to their as the NFL came back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that great cup. I'm ashamed. In Regina. In Regina. Yeah, one of the few great. I think there's only been three great cups in Regina, and that was one of them. Ninety-five. Really? Yeah. There's only been three. Three or four, maybe. Yeah. Because I was looking at the lower attendance numbers. numbers. Yeah. For for gray cups. Yeah. The one we're having now, here yeah. is really low. So it's well, going to be about 35, 36. Yeah, but that's just seating. That's yeah. all the seating they have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's when you look at like uh, uh, Olympic Stadium in uh, Montreal. Yeah, they got the a old Sky, Sky Dome. Yeah. Or Roger, or uh, BC Place in uh, Vancouver. Those are huge stadiums. Yeah, those are about sort of 50, 60. Yeah. I think 60 Commonwealth is about Stadium, the Commonwealth Stadium, I think, yeah. in Edmonton is another one. But most of the CFL stadiums are yeah. in the 25, 30,000 range, yeah. So, yeah, we had uh, a bit, yeah, not an anomaly, like uh, not a fog bowl, not a mud bowl, but a unique occurrence. Yes. We had an American team winning the Grey Cup. It was it was our drunken, uh, you our know, drunken our lost weekend. Yeah, 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 it exactly. never happened again. Uh, 1989. 1989. Some consider the most exciting Grey Cup in uh, at least modern history. I would uh, agree. Although last year's Grey Cup over that was a good win, one. outstanding. Yeah. I think it might even rival it now. Uh, Grey Cup Hamilton versus Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan sort of stumbled into the Grey Cup that year. Uh, I think they grabbed one of the last playoff spots out of the West. Um, it's it amazing how far you can make it in the CFL. Like <laughs> oh, not yeah, by not having record. a very good record. Yeah, yeah last year and, and actually case. last year was a case in point. Yeah. And this year, 9-9 nine and nine, Toronto yeah. going up against 13-win, uh, yeah. uh, one-tie uh, Calgary. So, um, ninety-three or sorry, 89 Great Cup. Saskatchewan has had a Great Cup winning drought since 1967. I think was the last time they'd won a great cup. They hadn't been in the great cup, I think since 76, uh, just disastrous years in a province that the really CFL is a thing. Like people care about it. This was just a abysmal string, uh, limp into the playoffs. I remember this intimately growing up on the prairies, uh, growing up in Saskatchewan. I remember them making it to the great cup. That was huge news. I remember this game like it was yesterday. Watching it in a friend's basement, we probably had 20, 30. I would have been in my second last year of high school. We had about 30 uh, people from my high school, which might have been my entire high school, actually, yeah. not quite, uh, crammed into this basement watching this game. This was an exciting football game, culminated by a great kick. Not even... It was a distance kick. I forget off the top of my head. I think it was probably a solid 40-yard field think, goal. I think it was 35 yards. 35 yards? Yeah, I was okay, watching, so I was watching the highlights it's within the It's within the realm so, of reality. But. So it had been tied up by Toronto, I think, with two minutes left in the game? I think so. Oh, yeah. No, it was uh, Hamilton. They were playing Hamilton. Hamilton, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Hamilton. They are yeah. playing, the, playing the Tiger Cats. Uh, oh, it was less than two no, minutes. No, sorry. It was 44 seconds left in the game. 44 it was, seconds uh, left. It was tied up. Yeah, and with two seconds left in the game, that's it. So uh, Kent Austin, who was the quarterback for Saskatchewan at the time, marches uh, the boys down the field, gets them to the uh, thirty-five. I think, yeah, I think you're right, thirty-yard line, somewhere in there. Uh, two seconds left. Dave Ridgeway steps up to the plate and cranks uh, the field goal. Saskatchewan wins forty-three forty. A great, great cup. Exciting, huge for the province. Completely unexpected. Hamilton was the overwhelming favorites. And that is also a common theme in Grey Cup, in Canada and Grey Cup, including last year. It's it's a it's very often. I mean, the Super Bowl. If you look at it, often who you think's going to win the Super Bowl 
often wins the Super Bowl. There's a few hangouts, right, but you right. can usually predict it. A very tough championship game to predict in professional sports is the Great Cup. There's usually all the interceptions. All the interceptions in professionalism, this can happen. Uh, Dave Ridgway uh, became, uh, best as you can, a household name in uh, Saskatchewan after this uh, for winning this uh, game with his uh, field goal. He played a few more years with Rough Riders, retired, moved back to the States. Uh, I remember him uh, well. He's uh, actually, he was... So he was born in England, grew up in Burlington, Ontario. Really? I now was... he now lives in the states. As of I think 2013, he was living in God somewhere somewhere sort of the northern southern states. Oh, okay, um, okay. I yeah. thought he was American by birth, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. If if the the YouTube I'm sure it's his... correct. Yeah. So he uh, would do commercials for Buddy Steakhouse, or Buddy, Buddy Steak, Steak Ranch. Ranch. Get it yeah, right. Which uh, was a uh, you know you've arrived when you're doing yeah. ads for Buddy. I don't think no, that's I was I was looking anymore. I was looking for some ads. I don't think it exists because I was googling around looking yeah. for it. Um, I found an ad for it from 1985. So before obviously Dave yeah. Ridgeway was going to be their sponsor. The, the 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 sound is atrocious, but I'm going to try to get a screenshot because they do, they they sort of do this panning shot of its buffet of like these these tinfoil trays. <laughs> So enticing. so enticing and there's this giant ham with the pineapple rings and oh, the cherries stuck in stuck with so i'm that's fancy yeah that, in that saskatchewan was, that's fancy absolutely right? that's uh, yeah. gourmet dining um an exciting great cup i mean there's been many exciting great cups throughout the year let's hope this weekend we have another good one here in ottawa not the teams we i or maybe a lot of us here in ottawa or in saskatchewan or wherever we're hoping in but I think uh, two solid teams. I think we're going to have a good, great, great cup weekend here at uh, Ned for sure. And you're calling Calgary. I am calling Calgary. So it'll be a good week in Toronto. Toronto, yes. victorious at yeah. last. All, All right. right. Good night, everybody. So I'm trying to move the uh, move the microphone so that because if you look at the the feed out, whatever that thing's called, yeah. the blue the blue squiggly line. When you talk, it's like lovely rolling undulating hills okay like like yeah. Wilford Brimley drinking a mug of cocoa <laughs> and when I talk it's just it's like it's like these stabby punch you in the face yeah. it's, like, it's like the Zodiac killer drinking a mug of cocoa <laughs> so uh yeah I'm trying to trying to trying to avoid that